What's up, Freedom Church family? We are so glad that you've decided to join us today. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that God's word is crucial to experiencing his true freedom. We pray that you will find hope and that God will speak to you wherever you are through today's message. Ruth chapter 1 verse 19. It says... So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Do not call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I want I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was just beginning. I want to preach today under the theme, from bitter to bread, from bitter to bread. Thank you so much, worship team. From bitter to bread. Amen. How are you doing, Freedom Church? You doing good? Amen. I've been... uh, teaching a few weeks in a row about the series that we're currently under, which is seasons, seasons, understanding that the seasons are changing, the seasons are shifting, and they are looking a lot different for every person in this place. There's not one of you that your season has remained the same. Everyone here has something that they can be saying to themselves and say, wait, my season has changed. I'm no longer where I used to be. I am no longer where I was. A year ago, I was doing this, and now I am doing this. And currently, God has been speaking to us as a church in a whole that our season has come to a change. That all of a sudden, there is a time for sowing and there is also a time for harvesting. That there is a time to shed tears, but also laugh with joy. That there is time to be in affliction, but there is also time to be in a moment where you can see God's hand over your life being able to overcome all the things that afflicted you. Nothing is going to remain the same, and that is a good thing. Change is inevitable. But one thing that we can be certain as a church, that we can be certain as a people group, that we can be certain as a Christian community, is that everything else changes, yet His Word never changes. 
That means that I could be in a consistent or in an atmosphere that is changing consistently. And I may not know how to use Facebook or I may not know how to use uh, Instagram or things that are now being used. I may not know anything that's technology. I may not know how to play an instrument, but I do know something that the God that I serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Something that we could keep our hope in, something that we can sustain ourselves with is that God never changes. My wife has been plucking my little gray hairs that have been coming out of my hair. It's okay. And she actually cannot wait for me to turn into a salt pepper type of guy. She says that it's going to make me more mature and it's actually going to make me look like a pastor. I know. Ouch. Right. But I realized that even though that I am getting a little bit older, that my gray hairs are now starting to show that God has been the same with me since I was a baby all the way till now. 36 almost years of faithfulness that I have seen with my eyes, him being faithful with my parents, faithful with my siblings, faithful with my friends, faithful with my community, faithful with the people that I served with, faithful with the churches that I attended to. He's been faithful and never has changed his identity. And so I want to just encourage you real quick before I start my sermon, if you came in here thinking and believing that just because your life is changing all around you, that your life is done. It is just the beginning because he holds all control. I, um, I, at one time, when I was a little kid, was a very curious person. I still am in a form. And, and there is uh, uh, biology programs and and, 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 and National Geographic TV shows and series that give me all that I need for my curiosity. How does a tornado become a tornado? How does a storm become a storm? How does a hurricane become a hurricane? And I'm curious about those things. I love to really investigate how those things come about. And when I was small, I would do the same exact thing. And one day, there was a cup that was near the sink, and I saw the cup that had clear liquid, and for me, it was water. And to me, it was water, and I said, well, I'm going to just taste that. I probably thought that it was either water or Sprite or one of those things, and somebody left it in the counter. I said, why would they leave it in the counter? This is, this is good liquid. What I didn't realize until I chugged it, that it was white vinegar. I know, everybody went, Ugh. Can you imagine that bitter taste, that, that bitter taste that came upon my life? And, and all of a sudden, I looked, and my mom was just looking at me, and she was like, why? And I said, I, I didn't know. She goes, that's why you ask, because something can look like something, and it's not. I, I realize that a lot of us, we come to church 
And, and we raise our hands and we lift our voices and we shout amen and we shout hallelujah and we shout God is good and we shout that God is great. And yet there's a, a, a part of us that looks like something and it ain't. There's a, a part that looks like we're playing the part of a person that consistently goes to church. There's a part of us that physically in the exterior looks like we actually belong in a society that loves God. Because in here, there is nothing to show except for the gratitude of our God. And it's easy to show when you are around your brethren. It is easy to raise your hands and to just shout to the Lord and say, God, I'm so grateful for you. Brina just takes me to your throne and I'm just up there. I'm just singing hallelujah and I'm all those. So we look the part, but in reality, there are parts inside of us that don't reflect what we reflect here. And I was thinking, as I was thinking about that story about when I drank a vinegar and it was such a bitter taste because it didn't taste like Sprite. Sprite has sugar. It tastes delightful. Even water tastes delightful when you're thirsty. But vinegar, vinegar when you're thirsty, vinegar when you're trying to get something to quench your thirst, vinegar, something so bitter, something so nasty. And I realized that hanging on the cross our Savior was thirsty, and they offered him vinegar. That bitter taste, while he is suffering, he still gave him vinegar. I have a question for you, Freedom Church family. I know that once again here, you show all of the signs of the joy that the Lord has done for you. But, but in the exterior, in the places where we don't know, how much vinegar are you showing out? How much vinegar are you giving to people? And the reality of it is that it happens because of our experiences with people. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be joyful. Everybody wants to, to have community and friendships. But the reality of it is that life leads us to a place where we become so bitter and so harsh and so ice cold and so Ugh, that we can't stand people. So when we see people, we'll fake it till we make it. Hey, how you doing? I can't stand them. <laughs> the bitterness is inside of us and we'll portray something that we're not. So we'll raise our hands and we'll lift and shout and say, God, you're so good. But in reality, when I see this person in front of me, all I want to do is can I chuck them out? Because the reality is, I'm bitter. I'm bitter because that person did something to me. I'm bitter because all I think about when I think about that particular person is pain. So bitterness starts becoming our normal. And we can hide our bitterness through false humility, false love, false patience. And in reality, we can play the part all we want. That's just the realness. We're so good at it that sometimes we actually believe that we actually like the person that we gossip about every day. 
It's crazy. Bitterness becomes such a real thing in your life. There's some people that cannot even hide it. The bitterness is just so pouring out from who they are that all they do is speak and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their, their conversations. It's like, wow, you don't have nothing good to say. I, I want you to just examine for a moment. Maybe they're not just angry. Maybe they're just not a person that was born with a frowny face on and they would just, oh, I'm just angry at the world. Maybe their experiences have led them to be bitter. And now to get them out of that bitterness, it is so extremely difficult. Now, I have a story in the book of Ruth that speaks about bitterness. There's a woman named Naomi, and she belongs to the people of Israel. The Bible says that a famine broke out in Bethlehem, and all of a sudden she grabs her children and her husband, and she goes to the city of Moab, where she was not supposed to go. It's a city that is a considered a pagan city, but because there is a famine, she just heads out. And she pieces out and she goes, hey, I got to go because if I don't go, I'm not going to eat. And the reality of it is that we do this all the time, Freedom Church. We, we, we are in a space that even if it gets a little bit difficult, a little bit hard, that you got to struggle a little bit. We are people that immediately get up from that place and we go, I can't stay here any longer because if I stay here, I'm going to go crazy. So let me go and we'll definitely appear in a place where we're not even called to. The Bible never says that God indicated to Naomi, hey, I'm giving you the freedom to go from the place that you were planted to another place so you could get provision. If we're going to read the Bible, we're going to read it right. It doesn't say, hey, Naomi, you, there's no, no food. There's a famine going on. I want you to go to the city of Moab. There, I have prepared a meal for you. It doesn't say that. It says Naomi grabs her stuff, grabs her husband, grabs her children and says, I'm not staying here any longer. I don't like how things are going. I got to go to a better place. But that better place, <coughs> it's not always better than the situation that you're currently going in right now. Think about Naomi is a person that has children. She has been productive. She has two sons that she has produced for her womb. And she has a husband that she loves. But now she finds herself in the city of Moab because there has a famine in Bethlehem. And she said, wait a minute, I'm not going to stay in Bethlehem. I can't stay in a place where there is no provision. I have to create my own provision. And this is where we get in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. If God hasn't indicated to you that you should do such a move, it is best that you listen to the Holy Spirit to guide you, to form you, to dictate the pace. Because you can't dictate it for yourself. 
And she decides, I'm going to be better off in the city of Moab. I am going to take my family out of this famine. Have you ever been in a famine? Like, I know that your pantry is full and it's packed with Oreos. But have you ever been in a famine? The lack of something so dire that you will do anything for. Have you ever been in a famine? I know you got a steak in your freezer right now, ready to get seasoned and put in butter. But have you ever been in a famine? Have you ever craved something so much that you don't have yet desire? A famine of love where I, all I want is for somebody to love me, but yet I'm in a famine. A famine of purpose where all I desire is to have purpose in life, yet I cannot find it. A famine of friends where I see everyone laughing and joking with their friends and their buddies, yet I don't even have a single person that would call me to check up on me. A famine. A famine that, that bothers me so much that I'm not willing to stick around to see the end of it. That type of famine. A famine of financial breakthrough where I have not seen at all that God has kept his promise. And all of a sudden I got to move because if I don't move, then God is going to not be able to provide because he is so small and minute and, and he's irresponsible. And he doesn't know the cost that it costs to call you and be able to provide for you. He's that small and you're that intelligent and that smart and that capable and that strong that you can make your own decisions because you created yourself and you know every hair on your head. But yet, because of famine, we'll do some crazy things in life. Because I have no one there to tell me that this famine will soon end. I make decisions based on the famine and not on God. I make decisions based on necessity and not the provider of the necessity. I make my decisions based on my emotions and not on the God that has created a path for me to walk straight. This is the reality. A famine and a famine made Ruth leave her hometown. She leaves the place that she's been all her life to go to a place where she's never been just because she needs to get out of the place that she's currently in. She's still Naomi in Bethlehem. She still has her husband in Bethlehem. She still has her children in Bethlehem. But when she gets to Moab, all of a sudden, in a span of 10 years, she loses her, her husband and she loses her children. And now, it's not the famine of food that has destroyed her. It's the famine of lack of a husband 
that she no longer has. It is the famine of having no longer children that she calls her own. She was Naomi in Bethlehem with children and a husband with not a lot of food. And now she's in Moab with food, but no husband and no children. And it shows us a picture real quick about what we are trying to seek and what we are trying to find. Our curiosity does kill the cat. Because we are trying to figure out if I could just make this happen for me, I would be much better than I am currently right now. Because you look at the lack that you have and you don't see the much that God has done in that season. So you will choose because of that lack to move your, your, your smart behind, for better words, to a place where God hasn't called you, to a position that God hasn't called you, to a job that God hasn't called you because you want to do it your own way. And Naomi had children and a husband in Bethlehem and no food. And now she is in Moab with food, no husband and no children. I have a question for you. What's the trade-off? What, what, what are you trying to trade off? What, what are you standing in currently and wanting to give up that you don't understand that it's going to cost you more than what you thought? God has given you the tools for this season. He's given you the ability for this season. He's given you the wisdom for this season. He's given you the adequate, extreme resources that you're going to need for this season. And yet, and yet, because you see it that you don't have the full picture, you'll desperately change everything because of what you lack. And Naomi had identity. She had a husband and she had children. She can produce even in the midst of a famine. And now she has arrived at Moab and has no child and no husband. What's the trade-off? What's the trade-off? Was it enough? For me to give up my husband and my children for a place that I thought would be better off than where I was? Is it, is it best that I just do what I want to do because it's going to solve the problem right now instead of looking at the big picture of later? And so she took her trade off and said, I'll go to the city of Moab and I'll remain here and I'll hang out here and I'll even get some wives for my children so they could even get married here and we could just live a happy life. And she didn't understand. Hey, God ain't call you for that. But it solves the problem. And you'll be surprised 
that what mostly creates bitterness in your life are the decisions you have made. It's those decisions that put you in that situation. Because God's trials and tribulations, they will make you hurt sometimes and they'll make you cry. But there is peace and serenity when God has allowed a storm in your life. Versus a storm that you yourself wanted to go into. There's a difference when you allow God to control your atmosphere and what you have going on versus you trying to control it yourself. And Naomi decided, I can do this. I can get my family out of trouble. If I just go into Moab, I'll be fine. I'll have some food. And she married sons to pagan women that had nothing to do with the call that they had over their lives. And here's such a, a moment to think about. Although Naomi put herself in this predicament, look how the grace of God grabs the situation and turns it around. The Bible says that they had married two women, Orpha, okay, I don't know why he married her. The name says it all, Orpha, <laughs> and Ruth. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that there is a visitation of God in the city of Bethlehem. And she declares to herself it's best that I go back to the place where I was planted because God has visited that place. And wherever God has visited, I know that there will be what I need for my life. And all of a sudden, as she is living her life in Moab, she is now shifting her mindset to Bethlehem. She has lost her husband and her two kids. And she is still thinking about the visitation of the Lord. Amen. The Bible says that she speaks to Orpha and Ruth. And she tells Orpha and Ruth, hey, y'all, listen up care carefully. I want y'all to go back to Moab. I want y'all to get married. I want y'all to have children. I don't got no children for y'all. Even if I was to get married today and have a baby tomorrow, y'all still not going to be able to wait because y'all old. So what y'all could do is thank you for being with me. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for being part of my family. You guys can go and live your life. And the Bible says that they started crying. Oh, my God. No, Naomi, no. Don't do this to us. Like, what are you doing? Come on, Naomi. We love you. Why? Why are you leaving? 
I got to go back. I got to go back. There's a visitation from the Lord in the place that I had left. And it's just an indicator that my soul needs a visitation from the one who created me. So I got to go back. See, look at what God does when you humble yourself. He literally changes your whole entire direction when you humble yourself and you desperately understand that the visitation of God is better than the provision that you're receiving at this place she goes wait I gotta go and Orpha and Ruth cry say we don't want to leave you she again begs them says hey I really want you guys to really just live your life don't worry about me I'm gonna be okay the Bible says that Orpha and Ruth cried again and this time Orpha kissed Naomi and Ruth clung to Naomi. Orpha kisses Naomi. Ruth holds on to Naomi. There is a difference here, ladies and gentlemen between what's going to happen in the life of Ruth and Orpha. And it's because of the decision to cling to something that knows, hey, this woman is not just an ordinary woman. See, your humility actually calls forth the true hunger of the people. Notice that Naomi is saying, hey, I can't do this any longer. I got to go back to where God had called me because I've been doing this by myself for this long. I can't do this for this long anymore. I got to do it myself. And now she loses everything and she realizes there's a visitation and the visitation is where I need to be. And now there is a action that takes place. Orpha kisses Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi, and Ruth clings to Naomi. There's a difference between you hearing the word of God and clinging to the word of God. There is a difference between just loving God and clinging to God. There's a difference. See, there's a difference. Your, your life is going to be that much different when you cling to what is important. Ruth decides there's something different about this woman. I, I started thinking to, to, to myself, uh, Naomi is telling them, hey, I got nothing to offer you. That's what Naomi is saying. Even if I could offer you something, it wouldn't come right now. That's when I go, peace out. I'm out. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. I, hey, your son, he was awesome. I'm out. Why would I cling to somebody that has nothing to offer me? Y'all not getting it. She's clinging to someone that is clearly a disease. Mm. 
She's clinging to somebody that actually has bad luck. If I'm the Moabite and I see that you came over here and all of a sudden in 10 years your husband's died, your two kids died, I'm like, hey, lady, I don't want to be around you. You got something over your life that it, 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 I don't like. There's something over your life that I don't like and it's bad luck. I don't want it next to me. But Ruth clings to her as if her life depended on it. Why, Ruth? That's my question. Why would you cling to Naomi for? She don't got no kids for you. All her family have died because of her. Why would you cling to her? What is the reason behind Ruth's desperation to cling onto her? Because in reality, Ruth had her family in Moab. I got my people. I could stay in comfort. I could I could hang here and create a whole entire new life for me. I know everyone here. Why would I stay? And yet she clings on to someone that doesn't have nothing to give back. And one of the words that Ruth says, you're God. Your people are going to be my people. It's a tough declaration. Because all I've seen in your life since I've met you, Naomi, is death. That's all I've seen. I've seen Emelech die. I've seen my husband die. I've seen Orphus die. And you still, still ticking. I wonder why. Did Ruth see something differently than Orpha did? What Ruth saw was so many bad things have happened to this woman, and she's still ticking. She's still alive. That means that there's something of a purpose still unfulfilled. And I see that although she's gone through these things, there's somebody taking care of her. And I want to be a part of that because all of a sudden she wants to leave Moab. She wants to go to Bethlehem. What is in Bethlehem that I don't know of? You see, your life it, it will be a representation to everyone else that will see you. Because it depends on what you're hungry for that people will follow you after. Y'all not understanding. See, hear me out. If I'm hungry for gossip, the gossipers are going to follow me. You see, if I'm hungry for drama... The drama queens and kings are going to follow me. If I'm hungry for a steak, the people that love steak are going to follow me. Because we're hungry for the same thing. 
And Naomi is hungry for a visitation of the Lord because she knows that I'm not supposed to be here. But as soon as I get back to the place where I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be, my life will change. And Ruth looks at Naomi and says, wait a minute, there's something different. I want that, that you have. You have hunger, and that hunger is making me hungry because I've been in my city, I've been in my place for a long time, and I want what you're going to go after. I want your God. Ruth is hungry for God because Naomi is hungry for a visitation. So she follows her. I want what you want. I want to follow you. Notice that Naomi tells her, hey, I don't want you to follow me because I don't have kids. I don't want your kids. I'm telling you, I don't have no money. I don't want your money. I, I, don't, I don't have nothing to give you. I don't want nothing that you can give me. I want what you're hungry for. <laughs> I want what you're hungry for. It's that thing that keeps you up at night. I, I wonder what that is. Why is it that you're continuously telling me that you want to go back to Bethlehem? What is in Bethlehem that is so amazing that you got to leave Moab? You've already lost everything. Why are you so hungry to go to Bethlehem? I want to go too. Have you ever been in a situation where people are all in a group and all of a sudden everybody goes to a corner and you're like, hey, I want to, but what's everybody going to this corner for? Because everybody is wanting to go to the place where everybody is gathered at. And so Ruth is noticing that she is leaving. Why is she leaving? What, 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 what's going on? There's something that's going on, Naomi. You've been living here for 10 years. Why all of a sudden you want to leave? I want what you want. I want that hunger that you have in your eyes. And the Bible says that they get to Bethlehem. Here, the people are so amazed that Naomi is back that they start talking about it. And they go, wait, can it, can it be? Naomi is back? Naomi? She, she's back from Moab? She, Naomi, is that Naomi? I, I can't, no, that can't be Naomi. That's Naomi. And Naomi says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Moab is a biblical name for a land just short of the promised land. Just short. It looks like it, but it ain't it. That's what Moab is. It looks like it, but it ain't it. And we have been chasing in our lives 
individually at times things that look like it, but it ain't it. It just falls short of what God has promised us. But because it solved our solution, we wanted it, but it ain't it. And we'll take that because it's a, a problem that has completely been eliminated. But in reality, it brings you more problems because it's just short of what God has promised you. Moab. I'm going to go to Moab. I'm going to go to the place where it's just short of my promise. And some of us, we live there. We live in the place where it's just short of where God promised us. Because I don't want to just wait a little bit longer. I, I, I don't want to just dig a little bit deeper. I, I, I don't want to search a little bit longer. I, I want to just be in the place where it's just short of the promised land, but it ain't it. Moab. And they see her coming back from Moab. Back from Moab. Naomi's name means pleasantness and beauty. And people are calling her name. The name that her mom had given her from birth. The name that her father had given her from birth, which means pleasantness and beauty. And they go, is that Naomi that we see? She goes, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Not Joe Mara. Mara. <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure we're clear. Mara, which means bitter. She's changing her name to mean something that God has not given her. And at times we do this with our lives, with our calling, with what we have in our hands. We will shift it and call it something else. If God said that in this season, this is what it is, that's exactly what it is. But we want to shift it. We want to change it because it protects us the way we think it should. Do you know that in bread, they put this thing called phenols, not fentanyls, not the drug. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. Phenols, okay? Phenols. It is an ingredient that they put inside of flour so the flour can be preserved for a longer time and for your flour to stay on the shelf longer. But that ingredient is not necessarily good for your body. It will preserve the life of the flour, but it actually takes the ability of the flower to produce the life organisms that the flower would actually produce if it didn't have phenols. It stops the ability of the flower to actually produce what it produces just so it could be preserved on the shelf. 
And guess what else it does? It changes the color of the flower to give it the appearance that it does. Strips it. And what Naomi is doing is stripping away what God has given her, which is pleasantness and beauty. And she has now changed it so it can preserve her sanity. And she is saying, hey, I'd rather be on the shelf as a bitter person than for me to just have any ability to just do anything else. So I'll rather stay on the shelf and I'll rather just be bitter on the shelf and people could see me bitter and I'll still be able to protect myself because the bitterness that she's calling upon her life is what she calls a protectional wall so that way people do not have to further go into her life and so she'll say I'm bitter do not call me Naomi I'm no longer blessed uh, God has done something to my life he's probably passed judgment on my life and I can't be called any longer Naomi call me Mara is bitter do you know that the phenol that they put in the flower actually creates the bitter taste of the flower because it is something that is man made and it's not meant to be put on flower because what God creates he creates perfectly we are the ones that design these things because we think it's better. God gave us it and we just got to enhance it. We got to get it better. That's what it is. It, it's not good enough. And they're calling her Naomi and she's saying, no. I got, I got to change it. I, it has to be Mara. It, it's Mara. Don't call me Naomi no more. Being bitter is a mindset. Being bitter is a decision from the decisions you've made previously. And now, you want to say that God passed judgment over your life? Now you want to include God inside of your sadness, but you wouldn't include him in your happiness. You wouldn't include him once again. Hey, Joshua, you included him for Jericho and the city of Ai. You didn't include him for the little comments that they were going to come and bring you the patches and the old moldy bread. You didn't include him for that one, but you didn't include him for the big things. And so Naomi, there's a famine. You didn't include God for it. You didn't include God in your prayer. You didn't communicate to God. Hey, there's a famine here, God. What can I do? How can you help me? You just decided up and leave. And now when you have lost everything because of your own decisions, you want to say, it's because God doesn't really love me like that. He probably has something against me. So call me bitter. And we'll change the identity that God has given us, which is daughters and sons because of our actions. 
I'm talking about there's some mean, bitter, sad people in this world. They're just bitter. And I realized that if led to my own mind, I'll be bitter in a heartbeat. If led by my own strength and my own intelligence, I'll be bitter in a heartbeat because I can't stand people that I help and that can't help themselves. I cannot stand people that I give advices to so they could get out of the hole that they're in and they still get in the hole regardless. And I get bitter if led to my own emotions. If I do not seek his presence, if I do not pray and ask God, God, can you help my heart? Because right now my heart is turning and it don't want to turn against this person. I want to tell them right now that, that, that they're just ugly and nasty and I don't like them. And it just, God has to speak to my heart and say, hey, just calm down. I'm with you even in this moment. Even in this famine, even in this moment of sadness, even in the, this moment of loss, I'm with you. Just don't change your identity to something that you're not. We're all going to experience these losses. We're all going to experience things that we don't want to. We're all going to experience pain. We're all going to experience moments of, of, of failure. But God doesn't want you to change your identity just because you feel like that's going to help you. Naomi, you're still Naomi. I know you lost your husband and your children, but you're still Naomi. You're still beauty and pleasantness because the pleasantness and the beauty is in your inside. It's what God has put inside of you. It doesn't dictate because you're, you lost your children and your husband. That doesn't dictate what God has placed inside of you. But we'll change identity that God has placed inside of our lives because our own decisions. Ruth clings on to Naomi. And like, I want to, there's so much to this story and I, I, I can't get done with it all today and Cam you can start coming up because I'm finished but the reality of it is that we have a woman that had everything she needed yet there was a lack in a situation in her life and she decided to gamble and go to a different place just to see if she can fill it and it didn't pay out pretty. And now she's returned to the place that God has planted her in. 
And she, all of a sudden, in the land that God has planted her in, decides, I can no longer be called Naomi or Pleasant. I am Mara. Just pats. So hear this. Naomi changes her address. She doesn't change her mindset. Naomi is in Bethlehem. She changes her address to Moab. Thinking, I'm going to get what I need here. And all of a sudden, she loses her everything and now she wants to change her address back and she changes her address without changing her mentality she is in the place that God has designed for her yet her mentality is still bitter and the only way we're going to be able to change what God is doing in this place and in this time and with us is if we are open and transparent with the things that are bothering us deep inside, things that are, are not supposed to be there, that we are able to just give it up to him and say, hey, God, I, I don't know about you, but this is about to, this is going to knock me over the edge. I cannot function this way. I'm, I'm going to get bitter in a second. I need you to help me with this. But it also helps for you to understand that what I'm trying to tell you is you need direction from God. And I'm not talking about that direction that you think that you had because you prayed and you said, hey, I prayed. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm talking about praying and then listening. Because we do that. Hey, God. Hey, I come before you right now in your presence real quick. Um, I want to go ahead and do this real quick. And I know I'm just asking you for your permission. Yeah, I hope, hope that you're here with me and uh, I hope you bless it. Thank you. That's not prayer. That's you venting about what you want to do. Prayer is going up to his presence and saying, God, I, I would really like to do this. But your Bible says that you open doors that no man can shut and you shut doors that no man can open. And if this is mine, then you'll open the door. And if it's not mine, you'll shut the door. I'll wait for your response. Haven't heard anything in a week. No worries. Because prayer is about consistency. And going back to the same place. Over and over. Until you hear from them. Hey God. I know I spoke to you last week about it. And I really want to do it. And I'm really yearning to do it. And I just want to change my ability right now. Just I'm in this situation. I want to change it. But I haven't heard from you. So I want you to talk to me can you talk to me and 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 can I I'll have my ears to listen but I'm not pulling the trigger until you speak to me clearly thank you and I love you oh, by the way watch over my wife she's pretty 
you go back and you go back and you go back because prayer is waiting for him to respond. Prayer is listening to his voice for real. Not that little emotional voice that you got in your heart that says, yeah, I just felt God. Oh my God, those hairs on my, my skin just went up and I just heard God for real and he just told me and then you do it and then we have these people that go, yeah, no, I, um, I heard God. The thing is that, um, I'm sorry, God doesn't do mistakes. You make them. You create them. He don't create nothing but perfection. So maybe you didn't hear right. Yeah, I'm going to call it like it is. Because prayer is about sitting your behind down and listening to the God that created the heavens and earth. Not you trying to manipulate the voice of God because you want something so desperately that you'll even throw God's voice in there as if he spoke to you. We got to stop it. We got to stop it. The Bible says, beware of those that say I spoke and I didn't say nothing. Stop. Sit down and hear his voice. That's why we have a lot of bitter people. You're going to be a pastor. I just feel it. God just, he just revealed it to me. And years go by and there's nothing that happens. And now you're bitter with the church, bitter with the people because you didn't listen. You just wanted to open up your mouth and talk for no reason. Because you wanted to be seen. Bitter. Because we wake up and we do what we want, how we want it, when we want it. And then we come and, God, I don't know if you see what the troubles that I'm going through, but whoo, I surely need you now. But you don't make time for him. You'll change an address in a heartbeat but won't change your direction. And this is real because God is real. And when God speaks, he speaks and fulfills. His promises do not go lay on the wayside. And if he said it, he'll do it. Stop with the nonsense. Because that's what has you bitter. It's thinking. I just feel like God spoke. And I'm going to do this. Then you have me with gray hairs. You have my wife plucking them. I can't win for losing. And I'm just like, God, I come before your throne 
this person just spoke to me and they said this, but I know, I know, I know that that's not what you're talking to them about. Can you please open their eyes? Then I have to deal with the bitterness that has been piling up because of your own decision making. When we could just sit quietly. How long, pastor? As long as it takes. And listen to God. Let him talk to you for real. Stop. For a moment and just inquire of the Lord. And pray. Should I do this or should I not? Sometimes we let life pressure us so much that we just throw ourselves. And that's what pressured Naomi. The famine pressured Naomi so much that she said, I have to. I got no choice. If I just, if I just, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. We don't rush God. We don't rush God, not with our petitions, not with our, our slick remarks, not with our intelligence, not with our anger, not with our holding. We don't rush God. He does it when he wants to, how he wants to, when he wants to. Bitter. Bitter. Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. You're bitter because ain't nobody told you to go to Moab. You went to Moab by yourself. And now you want everybody to call you bitter. But there's something in this place that is about to change her whole life. Because look at, look at the verse again. I want you to put it up. The last verse. It says this. Ruth chapter 1, verse 22. So Naomi returned from just short of the promise, Moab. She returned from just short of the promise, which is Moab. And accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem, as the barley harvest was beginning. Bethlehem means house of bread. She leaves the house of bread and goes to just short of the promised land. She realizes that I don't got no bread in my life. I need to go back to the bread maker. And she goes back to the house of bread. And the Bible says, even with all her bitterness, the harvest was beginning. Because you can't stop it. <laughs> you can't stop the bitter. You, the bitterness can't stop the harvest. <laughs> you want to decide to be bitter? That's fine. The harvest is still there. 
it, it's, it's beginning and it's happening and it's happening right in front of you. And you got to understand that it's happening right in front of you. She gets back to the house of bread. It reminds me of stories in the Bible that there is bitterness and then there is bread. The widow that's about to die. I'm about to die. Me and my child, we don't got nothing else. We don't got nothing else. And Elijah says, hey, make me some bread. And all of a sudden, she had bread and oil in her house. And it lasted her for a very, very long time. Because when you trust God, God is the provider. God is your healer. God is what God is the one that takes you out of the place that you're in and places you in the place that you need to be. And here, when John the Baptist is beheaded, the Bible says that Jesus goes to be in a solitary place. And there was probably people that were bitter inside of their hearts for what happened to John. And all of a sudden, there's a multitude that comes and there are 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 5,000, the Bible says, not including women and children. And enough space where bitterness could easily flow and rumors, the bread flowed. The bread. The bread. Because that's where God wants you. He wants to take you from this season into the season of harvest. It's the season of harvest. It's the season of harvest. And I've been thinking to myself, man, I lost this friend and I lost this friend. And this friend doesn't talk to me. And I can't stand this. And I can't stand that. And I can't believe that this is happening. And this is happening. I can't believe that this is happening. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I don't notice. I don't notice that the harvest is beginning. I, I may be bitter in the situations that I'm going through. But the harvest is happening all around me. And if I do not get out of my bitter mindset, I am going to miss out on the bread that God has provided. I'm telling you that the harvest is here. And if we could just listen and hear what God has to say, we'll see the bread. So I ask you, are you wanting to go from bitter to bread? The Bible says, two disciples saddened because of Jesus' crucifixion was walking on the road of Emmaus and all of a sudden their sadness called the attention of someone that they couldn't see and they spoke for seven miles walking and talking, walking and talking and all of a sudden they invited him to the house and that person in that room where possible bitterness could have grew. He broke bread. And the Bible says, as he opened, as he broke the bread, their eyes opened up and he disappeared in the midst of them. 
And he, they said, how didn't we know if our hearts were burning? Because bitterness. I challenge you to not be a Christian family that says that you pray and you hear from the Lord and you ain't really hear nothing. I challenge you to sit down and really wait for God to speak to you for real where there is no doubt, where there is no type of situation where you could say, hey, yeah, I, this ain't work out, but it was really because I did this and this and that. No, 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 no. It's because you didn't listen. It's because you didn't inquire. Sit down. And even though that there's a famine, maybe of love, maybe of recognition, maybe of friends, maybe of purpose, recognize that that famine has to ask permission to the bread maker. And he has everything you need. Do not go and change your address and change your spot and your identity because you think this is going to be better. Let God truly guide your life. This is powerful. You know why it's powerful? Because we have many people that will go on the rest of their lives thinking that they really heard and really worshiped God and really knew who God was. And all they were doing is playing Christian and never actually being a Jesus follower. You'll wake up one morning and feel resentment and bitterness all over yourself. And you'll say, how did I get here? I've been going to church all my life. I've been worshiping all my life. I've been praising all my life. Did you inquire him? Did you spend time with him? Did you have intimacy with him? You're going to wake up and your years have passed and you're going to say, wait. I may not have heard him right. Did you inquire? Did you best, did you base your relationships on his word? Did you base your marriage on his words? Did you base your parenting on his voice? Did you base 
everything you do in life with him? Or did you, you did it yourself and then you put the stamp? No, it was him. Me putting a stamp of orange juice on top of a grape juice doesn't make it orange juice. Inquire. Really inquire. And you'll be able to get out of that mindset that has held you captive for so long. Inquire of the Lord and let his presence change everything. If I'm going to have my name changed, is because he changed it. Yeah, there's a difference between God telling Jacob, you'll no longer be called Jacob, deceiver. I'm going to call you Israel, which means prince of God. There's a difference there. Instead of, I'm not going to call, be called pleasant and beauty anymore. I'm going to be called bitter. You see the difference? I'll probably preach that thing later on. I'll probably call it name swap. of the Lord pray 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 and pray again because that's what he's doing able to listen able to speak stand on your feet Say something before I pray. Larissa, you're special to God. Hear what I'm about to tell you. Super special. But it's easy for anyone to tell you otherwise. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and it will take for you to set some time off for him I know you got a lot of things going on but your life doesn't belong to the school system your life doesn't belong to your friends your life doesn't even belong to the beautiful people that stand behind you. Your life belongs to Him. I'm telling you, what God has wrapped you in is amazing. Set time for Him. Separate yourself. Put everything away and carve out time. Say, God, what you talking about? Talk to me. And you're going to be surprised what he's going to put in your heart 
and download in your mind. Listen carefully. Because the enemy, he wants to do the same thing. And he wants to deceive you to actually think that what you're listening to is the truth. Careful. And listen to the Holy Spirit when he indicates you not that way this way Heavenly Father we thank you today thank you so much for your power your presence in this place thank you so much for the people that are here today and we bless the people that are not here as well. We ask you to protect them. We ask you to let your word flow into their hearts. That the podcast or the playback can touch people's lives wherever they hear it at. It could be in their car, in their bedrooms. Lord, you bless them abundantly. And Lord, I ask for you to bless every person in this place. Lord, that you may allow that your word transform their hearts. That we could truly be able to sit down and listen to your voice that we are able to be hearers of your voice and doers of everything you ask us to do lord give us the strength and the wisdom to do what only you can do i ask you this in your name we pray amen if you would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe at Freedom Church, then make sure you visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com. You will find it easy to invest in this ministry as well as be a part of our upcoming events. Thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this one. We pray you accept this gift of freedom and share it with someone you know.